Thank you for listening and subscribing to the Anchor Church podcast. It is our desire at the Anchor to provide a place for you to know God, find freedom, discover your God-given purpose, and ultimately make a difference in the world around you. Each week, the Anchor podcast features Sunday sermons. You can follow along in this podcast episode and read the sermon notes on our website by visiting theanchor.me. Now, let's get into the Word. Good morning, y'all. Man, I hope all you guys are having a great week. Um, listen, let me just begin by simply saying this. Uh, as the pastor of this church, uh, how many of you guys know it's impossible for me to actually know what state of mind every single person is in when they walk through these doors? Yes. So, but listen, but this morning, where, wherever you're at, I'm going to ask you uh, to do me a favor. I'm going to ask you actually to lean in in a really authentic and vulnerable way because uh, today uh, I want us to actually do our best to get just really gut level honest with Jesus and with each other. And so I'm going to simply ask before we pray, man, that you would have courage uh, to do that with me today. Let's pray and we'll hop in. Father, we thank you today for your presence. Jesus, we absolutely love and adore you. Uh, Lord, our heart's desire is to lift you up in this house. And so, Lord, just today as we uh, just lean into you, Lord, just as I uh, just said, Lord, in a really authentic, real, genuine way, Lord, we ask that you would help us to remove any religious mask, any religious facades, uh, Lord, any pressure that we may feel to uh, perform for any person, God, or just any skepticism or any critical mindset that we may have, just anything that would get in the way of just being real before you today, Lord, we ask that you would help us to remove it. And God, as we open up our hearts, Lord, we ask that you would would meet us here. God, we pray, uh, God, just like there would be a waterfall of your presence and a waterfall of your truth just pouring in this room today and pouring into our hearts. And so, Lord, I thank you for your mercy and your grace, and I thank you for the anointing uh, to be able to preach your word. And just, Lord, we ask, God, as we always do, Holy Spirit, do what only you can do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, some of you may already know this, but uh, two weeks ago as a church and as a community, uh, we actually lost an amazing woman of faith. And uh, her name uh, was and is uh, Bethany Jenkins. Uh, for those of you who never had the privilege of meeting Bethany, four years ago she was diagnosed uh, with cancer. And that was the disease that ultimately uh, took her life at a very young age of 40 years old. And so yesterday I had the honor and the privilege of actually officiating her memorial service. And uh, as I was preparing for a service, I kept thinking about uh, how many people have prayed, uh, you know, just not just once, not just twice, uh, but over the years for her. And obviously that includes many of us that were a part of that. And when, as we prayed, obviously we, we were asking and believing God to do a miracle in her body. Uh, you know, and while she, uh, you know, lived much longer than what the doctors ever said that she would, the truth is on this side of heaven, uh, we didn't witness the miracle that we were believing for. Now, in light of that, I kept thinking about uh, where her passing has left so many people, not only emotionally, but also spiritually. And as I thought about all of those who were connected to her family, um, you know, I, I just kept thinking about this one thought. It's like the prevailing question that just kept ringing in my heart, ringing in my mind. It was this, is, is what do we do when disappointments come? What do we do as God's people when disappointment comes? Now, not only when the, uh, you know, that not only happens when the loss of a friend occurs or when a loved one, you know, passes, but, but once again, just in general, in life, what do we do? Because the, the truth is, is every single person in this room who, uh, you know, 
basically at some point in your life, you've already experienced disappointment in some way or another. Right? So, listen, I think we can all agree that disappointment isn't a respecter of persons, meaning it doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, it doesn't matter your social status, your education, it doesn't matter your race, your geographical location that you live in. Uh, once again, it is no respecter of persons. So, to just kind of get our wheels rolling this morning, because the goal of today is not just to focus on death, but, but the goal is just to focus on disappointments in general. So, I want to ask you today, and I'm just going to go down a list, but what do we do when and, uh, you know, our marriage doesn't pan out like we dreamed it would. You know, so many people go to the altar, you know, with one mindset, and 10 years later, they're in a completely different spot, right? Like, what do we do when someone, you know, close to us, like our spouse, a parent, maybe it's a sibling, or even a friend hurts us. I'm not talking about just kind of boo-boo, but I'm talking about it hurts us big time. Like, what do we do when, you know, our child chooses to go down a path and begins to make decisions that we don't agree with, or a brother or sister in the Lord, you know, the church uh, lets us down, what happens when we or someone that we love receives a scary diagnosis or some accident happens and someone's injured and, you know, long term? Like, what do we do when we've prayed for a child and we have another miscarriage? Like, what do we do when we're overlooked for that promotion that we really wanted or we don't get the job we were hoping for? What happens when that business deal, you know, uh, falls apart at the last minute or the business we're trying to grow and do all these things, it falls apart? Like, what do we do when we don't make the team or, or you know, if you're a teenager, you don't make the school play or whatever? Uh, what happens when we're trying to get in a university that we're passionate about, that we love, and they don't accept us? But if I take this one more step further, like, what do we do, to get real today, what do we do when our prayers go unanswered? What do we do when we, you know, when we don't have an answer for all the things that we're going through? Like, what do we do then? You know, the list could truly just keep going and going and going. But in short, what I'm trying to get at is what do we do when things don't turn out like we thought or hoped that they would? We've all been there, haven't we? Listen, it's typically in those moments when disappointment, when, when those having disappointment walks through the front door. Now, sometimes those disappointments aren't that big of a deal. It's like, you know, whatever, man, our, our, our Friday night plans got canceled. Okay, our, our ball team lost another game, right, whatever. Or the grocery store, we went, you know, looking for a certain item and they didn't have it. Uh, you know, I, I, you know, the point is, is that all disappointments really aren't that big in the grand scheme of things. and We just kind of move on with life. Uh, but I wish I could tell you that all disappointments were that easy, right? But, but then there are some, uh, you know, just other kind of disappointments that are a big deal. Quite frankly, uh, sometimes it feels like uh, someone dropped a 10,000 pound boulder on the top of us we didn't see it coming we weren't prepared for it or maybe we thought we were prepared and we weren't as prepared as we thought and it didn't just land on us man it, it won't get off of us anybody know what I'm talking about it's, it's like since this disappointment hit our lives like it knocked the wind out of us we can't move forward we're paralyzed in some way and the only thing we can think about is this why me listen I don't know about you but uh, I don't want a past or a current disappointment to define me or to become part of my identity, right? And, and the sad truth is, is over the years, I have met uh, a lot of people who have had a disappointment happen in their lives and they just can't recover. And, and you know, sometimes I will say this, if I'm just going to shoot straight where we're getting really real today, is I've met a lot of people over the years that have had a disappointment and, and they can't recover because they don't want to recover. 
Like they, that, like they almost put that as a badge that they want to be that victim and they want everybody to know them by what they went through and so they can't get healed because they don't want to get healed, right? And, and so, listen, but I've also learned that there's loads of good-hearted people that have had a disappointment happen in their life and they don't recover simply because they don't know how. Now, listen, whatever the case may be, if it's big or small today, uh, listen, a disappointment is this. I want to throw up the next slide. That a disappointment is the emotion we feel when we realize that something we hoped for or believed in isn't going to happen. For this reason, disappointment is an unexpected thing in our lives because its primary cause is our unexpe uh, unmet expectations. Its primary cause is our unmet expectations. Which, I'll just say this, it really just depends. Once again, big or small, it really depends on the level of the disappointment. Uh, you know, that ultimately, like, once again, the small thing, big deal. I mean, but the big one, man, a lot of times in our lives when those happen, uh, you know, it causes a, an emotional upheaval to happen in our lives, right? We get depressed, we get discouraged, and if we're being honest, we get really angry. So, in fact, I've, I've heard it said like this, that disappointment is like lifting the fork to our mouths, expecting cake, but tasting dirt instead. That's so true, right? Now, how many of you know when we taste that dirt in our mouth, inevitably it raises questions in our minds like this. Why, how, and even the more serious one, what we're going to really focus on today, is who is responsible for this? Listen, when disappointment comes into our lives, it seems like one of our first responses is to typically look for someone to blame. So true. You know, sometimes when we begin to look around somebody to blame, we have to own it. Eh, that's on me, dadgummit. That's my fault. Like, what I did caused that to happen. It was a snowball effect. Man, I just got to own it. Wave your hand if you've ever been there. Yeah, we got a few honest people. Okay, great. All right, so listen, and then there's other times that uh, we aren't the one to blame. And so, listen, we didn't cause the issue, uh, but we do know the name and the face of the person that we should blame because they're the ones that let us down. So, but the question I have is this, is, but what about those times when it wasn't our fault and it wasn't anybody else's either? Like, it's been my experience over the past 20 plus years that uh, when there are no easy, you know, answers to who caused the disappointment, our first conclusion is typically God must be responsible for the pain that I'm feeling. Now, listen, it's normally here our minds begin to take a downward spiral to, uh, you know, just with questions like this. If God loves me, then why didn't he protect me from this pain? Right? Like, how could he let me down like this? And then you start to wonder, is he angry at me? Right? Did he allow this to happen? Or worse yet, did he make this happen? You know, is he punishing me for something? And then you begin to ask, do, do I deserve this? And then you even think about this. The Bible says that he is a good and loving God, uh, but if he is, then why am I suffering? Listen, it's also been my experience that when those types of questions begin to uh, come up in our heart and our mind, it's like it gives a green light to the enemy. Right? And at that moment, he swoops in. It's almost like King David's enemies of old. Uh, you know, basically what David wrote there in Psalm 42, verse 10. It's like the enemy comes along and he begins to whisper these things. He said, uh, their taunts break my bones. And they scoff. The enemy scoffs. And he says, where is this God of yours? Like, where's he at now? How many of y'all know the enemy really likes to kick you when you're down? <laughs> 
Yes, he does. But, but listen, he doesn't just stop there. He just doesn't kick dirt in your face, right? Uh, he actually begins to sow more seeds of doubt like this. And, and if we're being honest, man, everybody in this room has been there at some point or another. At least I think so. If I'm wrong, forgive me. But, but here's the doubt, the seed of doubt. is does God even love me? Like, does he love me? And if I can get even more direct, it's like how many times have we thought in our heart of hearts that we would never tell somebody around here because we are unwilling to get vulnerable enough, right? But we say this, is God even real? Listen, if I can pump the brakes just here for a moment, I, you know, I think it's kind of funny how, uh, you know, we can have the hand of God, the blessings of God, you know, flowing in our lives in 10 different ways. Like, like we're so excited, we're grateful, we're telling everybody what God's doing, but then you let one of those 10,000-pound boulders, right, land in our lives, and watch how quickly we forget everything good that God's been doing. Like, we have a really short-term memory, right? Instead of this, here's the reality. If someone offends us, our long-term memory works really well. Right? But, but when it's like that, when it comes to God, man, we're not that different than the Israelites. Right? And, and so listen, so much so that, uh, once again, that we don't even just doubt that God cares. Uh, but once again, if we're going to get more honest, we, we doubt if he's even real. Now, listen, if, if you've been there before, uh, I want you to know today that you're not the first person who has been disappointed in God. Right? Nor will you be the last Right? Not our, uh, you know, nor are you the only person that has ever wrestled with those kind of doubts and those kind of questions. Like, it's just part of life, gang. Right? And so I'll even say it to you this way. And, and here's, if I can maybe encourage us in this moment. It's like, if you think back to John the Baptist for a moment. Here's the guy that declared, John 135, Behold! The Lamb of God who comes to take away the sins of the world, right? Like he saw him, he screams it, and everybody hears it. Man, he just made that proclamation, right? Fast forward a few chapters, what happens? Uh, here's Jesus comes to him and says, look, I need you to baptize me. John says, okay. He puts him in the water, right? He's bringing him out of the water. What happens? He watches. John the Baptist watches the Holy Spirit descend upon him like a dove. And he watches the heavens open and he hears the Father say, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Can you get any more? He's real than that. Right? Like, wow. Okay, I've never, I've seen amazing things, but the heavens never went, behold. You know, I've never had that moment. Right? And so I'm just trying to say that just maybe, just maybe if it can happen to a guy like that, that it shouldn't surprise us when it happens to us. You know, to think that even taking another step, that here's this guy, right? Like he has all the incredible moments with, with Jesus. Like he sees it, right? Like he knows his purpose is to prepare his way. And then fast forward once again a few more chapters, uh, that 10,000-pound boulder lands and it puts him in prison. He knows he's about to be headed. And he calls his disciples and says, hey, can you go to him and ask him if he's really the one or should we expect the father to send another? That's how much he doubted. Are you even the guy? Listen, I want you to know today that it's, uh, it's okay to feel like that. Right? It, it, as long as, here's this last part, you, you're, you're like John the Baptist and you don't stay there. Like, disappointments are a part of life. You're not going to be able to get away from it. Uh, but where, where it ruins our lives is when we decide to set up camp and live there, right? And so what I want to do for the next few moments is, like, you know, I, I know that um, 
that for us personally, it's really hard not to let the disappointment of today, right, blind us to the hope of tomorrow. Like, I know that, right? But, but as we shift gears, what I want to do is uh, just simply this, and truthfully, it's my prayer for this morning, is that he'll come in this room and wherever we're at, that he'll give us fresh hope this morning, right? And, and by doing that, uh, that he'll begin to actually show us that we don't have to stay in a place of deploy, uh, disappointment for the rest of our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to give uh, six ways on how we can handle disappointment. Six ways on how we can handle disappointment. And, and while I will admit, none of these are going to be some powerful, amazing revelation. But I am realizing this, that as believers, we don't talk about disappointments, right? And, and we don't know how to handle them. Right? We just, we just try to deal with them and move on. And what happens is, is we cause ourselves to get numb to others and numb to God. And it's super emotionally unhealthy. All right? So to do this, what I want to do is I actually want us to look at uh, Luke chapter 24. This is where the two guys are walking down the road to Emmaus. And, and what I want to do is just kind of unpack this for a moment. And, and I believe that actually from this story we can see six things that can help us learn how to handle disappointment. So let's pick it up in verse 13, please. It says, The same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Verse 14, As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. I want to pause here for the sake of context. So listen, uh, kind of behind the scenes, the story that's happening here is you got these two men that are walking down the road or walking to Emmaus, and uh, basically, it's on the heels of Jesus uh, being crucified on the cross, right? So for the two of them, like many others, uh, they believe that Jesus, this miracle-working teacher from Galilee, was their long-awaited Messiah. Not just any Messiah, but the Messiah that the Jewish people have been praying for, not for one day, not for two days, not for a couple years, but for hundreds of years. And so it kind of comes to this point, Jesus comes on the scene, and they believed that he was going to be the one that was going to deliver them from the oppression of the Romans and usher in this new glorious kingdom, right? Like he was going to be their new leader. Uh, but in this relative short period of time, you got to remember, Jesus' Jesus's ministry only lasted three and a half years. So we're talking about a really short time, right? And, and I'll even say it to you this way, to show you how quick it was. Uh, a week before this moment, Jesus is coming in Jerusalem. He's riding the little donkey, right? And, and what happens, everybody's screaming, Hosanna, Hosanna, right? Who comes in high and they're all laying down their palm branches and throwing their clothes on the ground so Jesus can walk across. And obviously we know that that was a, uh, a fulfillment of prophecy. I want to say out of Zephaniah uh, about the Messiah coming. And so here's this moment. They're going, this is our king. And a week later, he is dead on the cross. Right? And I just say this. Talk about disappointment. <laughs> Right? So, once again, in a relatively short period of time, their Messiah, their Savior, was betrayed, right? He was put on trial. All his followers scattered, right? Then Jesus was beat, tortured, once again, and killed. In other words, you can even say it this way, that their hope was nailed to the cross, right? So, so to say, once again, that, they're, that they were disappointed is like the understatement of the day, okay? And so, they were emotionally crushed. They thought their life was going in one way, and everything came crashing down. The rug got pulled out from under. Some of us have been there. Right? And, and so I just think this. Once again, I'm not trying to beat the point, but I'm trying to drive it home. Talk about unmet expectations. Right? 
So, so what happens is, is these guys are walking and they're struggling with that emotional upheaval, right? Like there's feelings of depression, feelings of discouragement. And so what I'm trying to say is these guys can relate, so maybe we can learn from them. But here's what I want us to notice. I want us to notice actually what they were doing while they were walking down the road because it's actually a key in how you and I can handle disappointment in a godly way. Okay, let's read it again. It's verse 13. It says, The same day two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. Watch this. As they walked along, they were talking. Can somebody say talking? talking. They were talking about everything, everything that happened. Why is that so important? Because listen, it's because so often when you and I get disappointed, uh, we just stuff it. Right? We stuff it. We refuse to talk about it. We refuse to allow ourselves to grieve and to mourn over disappointment. Right? Think about what Jesus said in the, great, uh, in the uh, Sermon on the Mount. He said, blessed are those who mourn. Do you understand we don't just mourn uh, with the loss of someone. We mourn the loss of things in life, things that surround disappointment, and that's healthy. I think so often we have a mentality with people, hurry up and get over it. And because we tell people, hurry up and get over it, they never get whole. They just put on a mask for people, but they're still broken inside, and we wonder why they can't get along with each other. Right? And so, once again, it's okay to grieve, and it's okay to mourn disappointment because it's right. And so, once again, I just think this is, is part of the problem, and I'm just going to shoot straight with you here. Part of the problem is, is that so often in the church we view emotions uh, the expression of our emotions, uh, like it's some kind of sin. Now listen, I don't know what church background you're from. We, we have such a melting pot. Um, but, but the church that I first started going to when I gave my life to Jesus was one of those kind of churches. It, so much so, and this is ridiculous, but uh, a few years before I showed up, right? Like I was oblivious. I, I didn't know anything about the church history of this church. And, uh, and I show up. And uh, I'm a senior in high school, and I found out that uh, the church split uh, not too long before I got there. And the reason it split is because the choir would sing a special, and there was a group of people that wanted to clap after they sang the special. And then there was people, we don't show emotion. So the clappers... Went a mile and a half down the road, I tell you the truth, and started a new church. That's so sad, right? And so, so what, it wasn't really so much about this. It was the fact that they had a problem with emotions. We don't do that at church. It's okay if you do that in Alabama game, but don't do that at church. Right? So, so let, let me even say it this way. I... I didn't really know. I didn't know better. And I left that church, and I went to a spirit-filled church, and, and I began to see this whole other world where people were expressive with God. And I was like, whoa. Scared me at first. But then I was like, this is freedom. Right? And so what happened was is I think I was in ministry school um, for six months. Okay? And, and I got, God got a hold of me in a real way. I got a prayer life, got a word life. You know, I just worship life. I started engaging with God. And, and I went back home, and I, and I got asked to preach. So I went back home to the No Clapping Church. Okay? And they said, can you preach? And, and so we, we went to 
uh, whatever, I don't know why we met in the gym that night. They threw up a little stage, and there was the kids there, and, man, I preached like I was on fire, right? You think I'm strong now. Oh, man, like all zeal, no compassion. Man, we dropped the hammer, right? I, I still, to even show you so much, I still remember uh, my first message was out of Romans chapter 3. There is, none, there is none righteous, no, not even one. And I came to tell them. Oh, it's awesome. I still have that message, handwritten out. I wrote that thing in Denny Duran's church in Shreveport, sitting in a library, actually. Anyway, so I wrote that. But anyways, so I, uh, so I preached, man, and, uh, and I, you know, whatever, just gave it my all. And out of the 65 kids were there, probably about 45 or 50 of them went to the altar. And you didn't do that in that church. The only time you go to the altar is when you join the church. Okay, or you got some serious problems, right? So all those kids came down, they were weeping and crying, and Jesus was moving, okay? Like repentance was coming, right? And, uh, and I remember being all excited, 18 years old. I, I called my youth pastor, that was my first real pastor that I ever had, loved and admired this man. And, and I called, and I thought he was going to be excited. And, uh, and so I was super pumped, and, and uh, he said, well, Quentin, I'm glad you called. He said, I was going to call you today, so it's good. He said, but, uh, you know, I have to tell you uh, that you can never preach at this church again. First sermon, that'll, that'll break the wind out of you, right? So, and, and I asked him why. He said this. He said, because last night you stirred the kids' emotions. My response, remember being young and zealous, right? I said uh, his name, and then I said, the Holy Spirit is the one that stirred their emotions. And he wanted to argue with me and I, whatever. But, but, but that word emotions is a bad thing. And if we could just remember, man, like God gave us these things. And, and he wants us to express them, right? It's not sin. It's not wrong. And let me even say this to you. Um, just thinking about, about the sermon, I, I was reminded of, you know, when I was 15 years old, I was in the 10th grade, and uh, we had Easter, and then we started what we call in the South AEA week, or spring break, and on that Monday, um, that Monday evening uh, where I was staying, um, my cousin came, he showed up at the house, and, uh, and he proceeded to tell me that uh, my, my dad, my stepdad's father, so my step-grandfather, died at 7 o'clock that morning, and then he said, but that's not all. And then he said, Papa, which who was my, uh, my mom's father, died at noon. So I lost two grandfathers on the same day, right? You're talking about, you, you're talking about a family getting rocked and devastated. I mean, that, that, was, that was a whole new, and there was a snowball effect from that, and our family was super unhealthy. But, but, I, but I vividly remember uh, that week, on Tuesday night, we went to a viewing. On Wednesday morning, we went to a funeral. Wednesday night, we went to a viewing. And Thursday morning, we were at my mom's, um, my mom's dad's funeral. And I remember being 15 years old, standing there. I still remember this spot. I see it like it was yesterday. And, uh, and, I, and I can still feel those emotions that I felt on that day. This was the guy that, my, you know, my parents divorced, like I told you, I was a month old. And so I moved in with him and my grandmother. So he was a part of my coming up. You know, my mom had to go to work. So uh, we had stayed with him after school, stayed with him in the summer. You, you know, so, so we, were, we were around him a lot, right? And, uh, and I still remember standing there 
casket to my right with a tent covering over it. And I remember sitting there biting my lip, telling myself, don't cry. Be a man. Be strong. Don't let any of those people see that you're weak. I remember telling myself that in my head. And so what happened was, is I actually did not allow myself to express my emotions. I refused to grieve. I refused to mourn. And that was a huge mistake. Now, obviously, that happened with the death of someone, but we do that in a hundred different ways all the time. Am I making sense? So the first way I think we handle disappointment is this. Once again, nothing, no, no rocket science here. Number one is we actually express what we're feeling. Like we actually do that, right? And, uh, and so, listen, we don't make the mistake of bottling up. And, and, and here's, here's the key part where I'm trying to get at. We've got to be honest with ourselves, so where I'm talking about expressing our feelings, I'm talking about first and foremost in ourselves, right? Like we got to let it out. And, and if we think that, okay, that's awkward. I, I just want to remind everybody uh, that if God, you know, if I can maybe address that church I grew up in or, or whatever, spent a year in, in my senior in high school, if God was against the emotions, then why do we have, uh, you know, whatever, three-fourths three of the Psalms? Like a high majority of them are simply David and this unfiltered upheaval of emotions going, blah, right? And so if God was against emotions, why did he put it in the Bible, right? And so there's this part, man, that you and I, hopefully, what have we been through, that we can, we can own our emotions, that we can take responsibility for them. If you're angry, say you're angry. If you're depressed, say you're depressed. Whatever it is, just own the daggum thing, right? It's like, it's like how many people, and, and this is old youth pastor talking here, but, but how many people were sexually abused as a kid, and then when they get older, man, they, they still haven't dealt with it. And they think, well, I stuffed it. I'm numb there. No, no, no. It's still jacking you up, right? It just is. So here we go. Number two, the second way we can handle disappointment. Remember what it said. It says that they were actually walking and they were talking together. So the second thing is, is we got to talk to someone. Like we got to talk to someone. So, so listen, the Bible doesn't tell us uh, basically to bear one another's burdens and to encourage one another for no reason. Like, y'all know that's in there, right? And, and so, listen, God knew that we would face hard times and disappointments in this life, and, and he knew that we would need each other. Right? So, so we, were, we were talking yesterday, and Jen, Jen's, this is Jen's point, okay? And, and so she threw, she threw this verse in here, which I think is amazing. Let me show it to you in John 19, 25 through 27. It says, now there stood by the cross of Jesus, his mother, so his Mary, okay? Once again, you're talking about someone that was experiencing hurt and pain and brokenness. That's her son on the cross, right? And it says, when Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples whom he loved, whom he, disciple whom he loved standing by, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And it says, and from that hour, that disciple took her to his own home. What's it saying? In other words, he's saying, look, here's your family, right? Like, I know you're hurting. I know, I know you're disappointed that I'm hanging on the cross, but this guy, I trust him. He's going to get you through it, right? And I just think it's this, that, man, maybe we need to uh, look around for a moment and, and literally look at each other and realize that, guess what? Uh, this is family, too. And if we're going to get through what we're trying to get through, then, then maybe we need to start sharing it with someone. Like, like I, am, I am realizing more and more, as much as we talked about vulnerability and being honest and all that, we're not getting where we need to get. And so we need to be a little bit more open if we want to see what's happening in our life. And if I can just shoot straight with you, um, 
So most of, us, uh, most of us in this room have friends that are not believers. Okay? Can I just say this strong? It is absolutely foolish for us to go through something and we really need an answer from God and we go talk to an unbeliever. Right? Like, like for me personally, if I am struggling... I got some friends that I love dearly that do not know Jesus, okay? Um, but I will say this, I'm not going to them. I'm going to go to someone that's connected to the vine, that's hearing from God, that I know is anointed, that I know their heart's right and all those things. I'm not expecting them to have all the answers, but I'm going to go to that person because I can trust what the source that it's coming from, right? So, all right, that was free. Let's pick the story back up. Here we go. Luke 24, 15 and 16. I got to hustle. It says, as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. That's an amazing verse, right? So, so I, I just want you to realize that here are these two guys feeling like their Messiah has jumped ship. Like he's abandoned ship. He, he's, he's totally left them, right? We were counting on you and you bailed on us, dude, okay? And in the midst of all that disappointment, guess what? Jesus walks in. If I could say it another way, if you can maybe look at the progression here, which I, I don't think is on accident. Here's two fellas that are just like, man, let me get honest with what I'm feeling. Let me share it with someone I trust. And in the middle of that, what happens? Jesus shows up. It's the way it's supposed to work. Yeah? So, anyways, so watch what Jesus does, though, when he shows up. This is so cool to me. He says, Basically, he appears to these two disappointed and discouraged disciples as a stranger. And I think that's important because I think if he'd showed up whoo, in his glory, then they would have been like, oh, let's get all holy talk. Isn't it amazing how we fake the funk? Yes. I have to hold, yes, God. Lord, I love you. Yes, I come humble as I know how. Yes. Yes, Father. Anyways, so... So I, I, I don't think it's an accident Jesus showed up in a way that they wouldn't know. In other words, they, it allowed them to let their guard down. Okay? And, and, and he asked them, hey, what are you guys talking about? Right? In other words, he wants to know how they're really feeling. Catch the heart of God here, guys. Watch this. And, he, and he gives them an opportunity to just to give, once again, the gut level, honest truth about their sadness and about their unmet expectations. Watch this in verse 17 to show you. It says, he asked him, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? It says, they stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened right there the last few days. Okay. That's normally our response. Get away from me. I'm hurting, right? But, but watch this. Jesus says, all right, all right, all right, whatever, cool, okay? And he says, what things? <laughs> Power of the question, right, Mr. Bill? Power of the question. He says, what things? In other words, come on, let, let's get past all this. Well, let's get honest, right? And it says that they said the things that happened to Jesus, right? The man from Nazareth, they said he was a prophet, who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. It says, but our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Watch this, verse 21. It says, we had hoped, we expected he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and all this happened three days ago. In other words, it went to shot, right, three days ago, right? 
So you see, sometimes I think, um, if I can maybe elaborate here, I think sometimes when we are disappointed with God, we forget to go talk to God. In, in other words, it's like this. If you're married in the room, you know what it's like to get in a fight and then go, silent treatment. I'm not talking to you. Right? And it gets quiet for a while. Right? Some of us have learned how to get over that. But am I, am I telling the truth? Right? And, and so we can do that with God. Right? We, we pout and we ignore him. And, and I think not only, not only that, though, maybe this is more important but I think not only do we forget to talk to him sometimes, but we forget that when we hurt, he hurts. Right? That, that if, you can, if you can, just for a moment, think all the way back uh, to when Lazarus died in John 10 and John 11. Like, did Jesus not know that Lazarus was going to die? Did he not know that? I'll help you. Yes, he did. Okay? He, he to even go so far, he deliberately delayed himself so that he would die. That's hard to choke down, isn't it, church? But what happens is, watch this. So he knew. He knew what he was up to, okay? We'll get there in a minute. But listen, the Bible actually tells us that, that as he came into Bethany, that guess what? That Martha ran up to him, and later we know he had this interaction with Mary. And, and the Bible says that when he saw Mary weeping, it says in, literally there in, what's it, 1035, that Jesus wept. Get that, guys. He knew what he was about to do, but because she was in pain, he was in pain. It hurt his heart, right? And I just think if we can remember in the midst of our disappointments uh, that Jesus is a man of sorrows. He's a man of pain, right? The Bible tells us in Isaiah 53 that he is acquainted with our grief. Okay, and the Bible also tells us, and this is an amazing verse to me, in the book of Revelation, that God actually bottles up all of our tears. That's amazing, meaning that literally every tear I've ever cried in my 43s of, of life, 43 years of life, that God has stored it up. And what does that tell me? It meant that every one of them mattered to him. Yes? So, so even think about this, okay? Uh, the Bible even says this. Um, I'll just say it a different way. The point I'm trying to make is this, this, that God cares about the things that we care about. And, and sometimes our disappointment blinds us from seeing the true heart of God. Right? We're so caught up in our junk and our mess, we miss it. So watch this. The third way that we can handle disappointment is by this, and what we're, we were getting to there. It's just simply is to talk to God. Right? It's talk to God. And, and once again, what I mean by that is we, is, y'all church, listen, we drop the religious jargon for a moment. Right? And we just begin to pour our heart out in a really unfiltered way. And I want you to know that today, there's nothing wrong with telling God that you're disappointed in Him. Nothing wrong with telling God you're angry at Him. Uh, you know, I'll even say it this way. He, he has broad enough shoulders to handle it. You're not going to offend Him. You, you, you know, I, I grew up, you know, parents taking us to the churches, you know, occasionally. Depends on where they were at. And, and I can tell you how many times, once again, I kind of made fun of a while ago, but, but people praying, could you, brother, can you come up and give us a benediction, right? Nobody ever went up there, oh, God, help us, right? Nobody ever poured out their heart. It was a religious prayer. We come as humble as we know how. Father, let thy face shine upon thee. Okay, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, okay, man. And, and so, once again, Jesus just wants us to get real, yeah? And so, think about 1 Peter 5, 7. It says, casting all your care upon him all of them all of them 
Because why? Because he cares for you. Like, let that sink in, right? Let's continue to read. Verse 22. Two men went on to say this. It says, Then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning, and they came back with an amazing report. It says, They said his body was missing, and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to sea, and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Now, what's interesting to me is, obviously, there's a hint of doubt that's there, or they wouldn't still be moping about it. Three days later, right? Okay? And, uh, or three days he was dead, but basically from that morning. They still wouldn't be moping about it. They really believed it. And so, but what I want to see here is in that passage there where it says that they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. So I think the fourth way we actually handle disappointment is we got to remember that God is greater than our disappointments. They were super disappointed. He's dead, but oh, he's alive. He's greater. He's bigger, right? In fact, that, you know, really that point, once again, it's another, that's a gem point for you. Uh, give credit where credit's due. But, but she said this. She said one time she was praying, and, um, and I, it was probably about me. And uh, don't shake your head. And so uh, about just being super disappointed. And, uh, and she said that the Lord spoke those words to her. Basically that, Jennifer, I am greater than your disappointment. I'm bigger than your disappointment. And, and so there's something about this shift of perspective that we need, yeah? So, but watch this. In the middle of their doubt, watch how Jesus responds to them. It says, and Jesus said to them, you foolish people. Like, I wonder how many times Jesus has thought that about me, right? He'd be like, dude, you're an idiot. Okay, anyways. So it says, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Why am I telling you this? Because once again, we get real with our emotions. We start communicating not only to people, but also to God. And then what happens is we get in this spot, and we actually begin to have these real moments with him. Begin to see he's bigger. He, he always begins to recenter us. Like, if you can go to him, he always recenters you. It, let me help you out. If y'all go back and you actually read where, and I may get some, some things wrong here, but when David was in Ziglag, and obviously they came back from a war victory, they come back and they realize all their kids and all their wives and all their stuff is gone. Boulder, boop. What did David do? Everybody else flipped out. Let's kill David. Emotional up people. David went, let me go spend some time with God. And he began to pour his heart out to God, and God said, get up and go overtake them. Right? The answer is there in intimacy. Yes? And so it's just to look at this and think about, once again, it's like, what is Jesus doing here? He is recentering them. He's revealing truth. He's bringing a proper perspective into their lives. How? By pointing them back to his word. Right? You see, every time we're willing to get vulnerable and honest for the Lord, he will always bring us back to his word. He'll always use his word to get us back level. He never speaks anything that's not in correspondence to that. Are you all okay? So, like, to give you an example, the other day I was uh, literally, I found out Bethany passed away. There's other situations that we know about, we're praying about. And, and there's this conversation that Jen and I have. It's like... Uh, you know, rest with the fact that we have seen people healed in the church, even recently, of some pretty doggone significant things. Like we heard a testimony 
on Wednesday night about, a, about basically a Cultivate One group that was struggling, right? And, and Sarah, who's the leader, asked the Cultivate Three group, that's people that are further along, mamas in the faith, to come and pray over them. And so they were in the children's room downstairs. They prayed for them, and heaven fell, okay? And in the middle of praying for a gal that's, uh, that's sick, uh, what nobody knew in the room, she had like all these back surgeries, what, 14 or whatever it was, 14 back surgeries, and she couldn't feel her leg from her hip to her knee. Am I telling the truth? Uh, from her hip to her knee for 10 years, and Jesus healed her. She said, I felt pain. <laughs> right? Slapped herself. Like she could actually feel it. She hadn't felt her leg in 10 years, y'all. God healed some nerves or something, right? And there's some other piece of that testimony we're hoping to hear. But, but so I'm sitting here, it's like, Wrestling with this thing, how's this one gal that we prayed for dies, and how's this other gal we know that had breast cancer got healed, and then this happened with this woman, and it's like, Jesus, I'm having a really hard time understanding this. Am I making any sense? Like, I don't get it, okay? And I think it's okay not to have all the answers, but I don't understand it. In that moment, I was struggling, right? And, and I just, anyways, just going, God, like confidence in him, really. And, and, and what I did was I prayed. And then I went upstairs to my office, and I opened up my Bible to Hebrews, and I just started reading. And then God started talking, and he started addressing the very things I was praying about here. And I just flipped over the Bible. I was like, okay, what chapter I want to go to? Okay, here we go. You ever done, done that, like Bible roulette, right? Like, <laughs> I want to find something. And he began to answer it and begin to speak to me, and the peace of God came, and he recentered me. Okay, Father, I'm good. Right? So the fifth way we can handle disappointment is this. And this is huge because when he recenters us with his word, a lot of times we just got to be open to hear another perspective. And, and what I mean by that is this, you know, going back to that example of being married and getting in a, in a, uh, a holy, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, not a fight, but a holy discussion, right? <laughs> like you, you arguing, you're not happy. And, and so I, I just say this kind of, you know, pickling everybody here. But, but it's like if you've been married and you've been in a fight, how many times in that fight did you draw the line and you said, this is my perspective and I don't agree with your perspective? And you're not really open to any perspective. That's why you don't ever really get conflict resolution. You just want it your way. I have learned that we not only do that in a marriage but in other relationships, but we also do it with God. Like something's going on in our lives, we're disappointed, and we've drawn the line and say it has to be this. And sometimes we just got to be open to a different perspective and let God begin to speak to us through his word to show us his side of things. Am I making any sense? So watch this, in verse, verse 28, we're almost done, hang with me. It says, by this time they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them, and they sat down to eat. He took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. They, he revealed himself. And it says, and at that moment he disappeared. Here's the point that I want to show. And in fact, if you've heard nothing so far, please hear what I'm about to say. If, if I could add anything, I think at that moment that they actually realized not because somebody else said he was alive, but they saw he was alive. Yeah. How many know there's a big difference between somebody saying, here's how I got this disappointment, and here's how you get through the disappointment, right? When they saw he was alive, the thing that they realized is the biggest thing that can help us in life when we're disappointed is that they realized that the entire time he had a different plan. Go back for a second. The 
guy that they were putting all their hope in, the Messiah died. He didn't do what they thought he was going to do. But yet they, here they are on the road to Emmaus. And why did he run them through the word? He was trying to show them, guys, this was the plan the entire time. They just couldn't see it, right? And it wasn't until that moment that he revealed himself that, you know, two and two came together. And they went, oh, now I know why. Am I making any sense? There's a whole different kingdom he's working for here. And so the sixth way we can handle disappointment is to understand God always has a plan. He always has a plan. We may not see it, but he always does. And so, and so I'll just say it this way. And I know uh, if you've walked with God long enough and you sought him hard enough, you'll be able to say yes. But have you ever been deeply disappointed over something that didn't turn out like you'd hoped, only to discover God had something better in mind? Hallelujah, right? I'll even say it this way, and, and this may come off good, it may come off bad, I don't know, okay? But it's like, think about how many people uh, meet a, a person of the opposite sex, they fall in love, oh my gosh, I want to spend the rest of my life with you, three weeks later they dump them. They're heartbroken, can't move on, can't go forward. And then what happens a short time later, another pretty lady or a handsome man walks in and they go, oh, and they forget about that one, and they realize God had another plan. And I like the plan. <laughs> amen? Amen. Y'all better say amen if you're married. You better help me out, all right? So, listen, I just think it's during those times, like, man, it, it, like, I've been reminded personally when, when, when I realized, oh, this is what we were working for. Oh, that's why that job didn't come open. Right? Like, oh, that's why that relationship didn't go nowhere. Jesus was protecting me. Right? And, uh, you know, I'll say it this way. I don't know if you've lived long enough, but I have lived long enough in the faith. I am glad about my unanswered prayers. Because the whole, if I can say it in a really weird way, a lot of times we go, God loved me, God loved me, and we think we understand how God should love us. Right? And, and when that doesn't happen, we don't think he loves us. But in all reality, it was his love and operation looking out for us. Hopefully that made sense. If you can understand that riddle. All right, here we go. So, but I think it's in those moments that we go, yes, God loves me. Yes, he is with me. He is actually for me. And ultimately, he is in control of this thing. Right? And, and so I actually shared a few verses yesterday in that memorial service and I just think we need to remember them, and I'll read them really quick. Deuteronomy 29, 29, talking about how God's got other plans. It says, the Lord our God has secrets known to no one. The secret things, what it says in other translations, secret things belong to the Lord. And so the reason I think it's important is, is um, we may not always understand what's going on, but he does. And he's not going to tell us. A, we're not mature enough for him to trust us sometimes, but also secondly, because if you're, uh, you know, a person that's driven and ambitious like me, if he told you, you'd ruin it, right? So even this, Isaiah 55, God says this, he says, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, and my ways are far beyond anything you can imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So what I thought was a disappointment, a lot of times God's just working something better. Right? Even 1 Corinthians 13, 12 gives us uh, a reminder we should, we should remember that there's an eternal perspective at work that we don't know. It says this, says, now we see things imperfectly like puzzling reflections in a mirror. It says, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. What's it talking about when we get to heaven, right? It says, all that I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. 
And if I can put uh, maybe a stamp on that last point, and, and I know this is a verse that people look at in different ways, uh, but just hear the heart of it, is this, is that whatever we're going through, remember God still promises us in Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that in all things, good things and bad things, in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Once again, that God is always moving on our behalf. And he's always turning things. It, I, listen, I'm not, I'm not knocking down the fact that we live in a fallen world. There's a real devil. Everything that happens isn't God's will, God's plan. But he knows how to turn things for his glory and his good. Okay? And so what I'm trying to do is just today, if you're in a spot of discouragement, I just don't want you to lose heart. Okay? So like these two fellows that were on the road to Maus, it's like, if we can remember, God never left our side. He always had a plan that he was working through. And while we didn't maybe understand what it was like in the season we were in, we could take comfort, once again, in that verse, all things work together for good. So with those verses in mind, let me give you a pretty powerful quote. Corey Tim Boom said this, and she had, uh, she had the platform and the credibility and the maturity and the faith to be able to make a comment like this, okay? The comment is this, when the train goes through a tunnel and the world gets dark, do you jump out? Of course not. You sit still and trust the engineer to get you through. Great quote. Listen, the reason I think it's so important is because there's not a person in this room that's not going to hit a dark spot. Right? And, and I have met so many people over the years, they get discouraged and disappointed in God, and they, and they hit the eject button, and they try to jet. Or what they do is because they don't want to go to hell, let's get real, Okay? They'll say, well, I just won't give him really all of my heart, and I really won't surrender at all. I know too much to know that there's an eternity thing here, so I'm just going to let my heart go numb to people. I'm going to let my heart go numb to God, and we're just going to kind of get through this. Y'all know that's true. So I think that wherever we're at, we've got to realize, guess what? That I may not be able to see it, but he's still the light. <laughs> and he still knows where he's taking us. And, man, we've got to trust the engineer. He's going to get us through. Let me give you one other quote that I read somewhere. And we'll land this. It says this, and then we can end it with this. Being challenged in life is inevitable. Being defeated is optional. The point is we have a choice of allowing disappointments to defeat us or allowing something positive to come out of it. And what happened was is those guys walking on the road to Maus, because they encountered Jesus and invited him into the journey, he revealed himself to him. Guess what happened is something positive came out about it. And so much so that we know that those guys, it was so positive, they hit the rewind button and they walked seven miles back in the other direction. How many of you guys know when you walked all day, Steve, wherever you're at in here, you know, you sit down and you're like, man, I'm done, right? And they say, well, you dropped your whatever at that water crossing and you got to go all the way back seven more miles, totally inside there. Uh, you, you know, it's not, a, it's not a great moment, right? And so, but what happened was is they, they did a round trip unexpected round trip went back and they begin to tell them guys guess what happened and so if I could just maybe say this I didn't say this first service but but the point that I believe that's in there where they begin to say we just encountered Jesus is what what it is is your story matters okay and and but your story only has great impact when you've been healed of your disappointments not when you remain a victim and you just keep sucking everybody dry Right? It's when you take off the victim, put on the victor in Jesus, and you actually go and say, man, look what Jesus has done. And then God can use your testimony and your story.
to do incredible things like you did with those two fellas. Amen? Amen. So, so to think that those guys didn't let their disappointment become final. Like it didn't, it didn't like, that wasn't the end of the book, right? There was more to it. And so the question I have for you today, and then we'll stand to our feet and we'll pray, is what disappointments are you processing today? Like I said at the top, can we, can we lean in in a real and authentic way and can we just really go, listen, for some of y'all, it might have been something 40 years ago. For others, it might have been something happened this morning before you got to church. I don't know where it's at, but I do know this by the Spirit, that there's disappointments that people are wearing. Okay? And Jesus wants to heal you of it. He wants to get you free. And he's provided a roadmap, if you will, uh, for you to be able to get free. And I'm not saying it's all got to be in that order, but I'll say them again. Okay? Because once again, we got we to gotta own it. We've got to get real about those emotions. Secondly, we need to find somebody to talk to. And that person may not be a real person. may just have to go straight to Jesus. Okay? And, and then what's got to happen is we've got to allow him to give us this new perspective, right? And we've got to understand he's got a plan and, and let him do what only he can do. We've got to trust him. Okay? So, so once again, what, what disappointments are you potentially uh, processing today? And what disappointments have you buried that you need to get healed of? Okay? Listen, I believe wholeheartedly in a personal relationship with Jesus. And I believe that God speaks to us. Okay? Wholeheartedly believe that. And, and I think that a person like me can say a thousand things, but Jesus has to be able to speak one word in a moment that can change everything. Okay? And so if you need to just say in a real vulnerable way today, Holy Spirit, what, what uh, disappointments am I carrying that I even forgot that I'm carrying it? Right? Like, like when we were on that trip to the backcountry and we had that day that some of you guys heard about where we hiked for 10 and a half hours, you know what I realized later? I kind of almost forgot that my bag was on my back with 50 pounds in it. I just got used to carrying it, right? And, and so, um, you know, a lot of times the burdens in life, we just think that's part of us and it doesn't have to be part of us. And if you are willing to let uh, Jesus take that backpack off today, he'll do it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. And Lord, I just simply ask, God, for uh, every person in this room, God, that they could uh, settle their hearts, God, just on you at this moment. And God, not be in a rush to get out of here and to go do something, but just to give you some space and some room to allow you uh, just to, as the minister and, the, and just the minister in spirit of truth and the one who brings light to our lives, begin to just address some things in our hearts. And so, Lord, whatever we're carrying today, we just give you full permission to show us. Uh, Lord, as we prayed many times, if it's stuff that we have, uh, you know, shoved in the closet, put in the attic, threw down in the basement, whatever it is that we've hidden, it, Lord, we pray that you would begin to open it up today and allow us to at least begin the journey and the process of working through that disappointment. So today, I guess really, Lord, it's will you show us. And Lord, it's our response as you show us is, God, we just invite you in the process uh, to walk us to a place of healing where we understand what your plan really is and what you're up to. So Lord, we just, once again, make room for you, the only what you can do. Thank you for joining us today. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram for encouragement in your walk with God and to receive updates on events happening at The Anchor. Have a great week and God bless.